Now, I know this is going to come as a shock to some of you, but I can be a little idealistic. Yeah, I realize that my expectations are not always realistic. I am often deeply disappointed by the events that happen in our world today. I am offended by injustice. I get frustrated when people won't be honest with themselves, with others, or with God. I know that the world is broken. I understand it's filled with people in various stages of brokenness, like me. But I still expect us to do the best we can. Now, these kinds of expectations often lead to disappointment and frustration. (laughs) But they also help me to have faith. They help me to believe that most people want to do good even if their opinion of what good is might be different than mine. They help me to believe that the world can be better than it is if we could come together, if we could believe together, if we would hope together, if we could work together towards that goal. Most of my highest expectations and beliefs are about the church. When the church operates the way it's designed, it is a powerful engine for positive change. How many believe that this morning? Yeah, when the church operates the way it is designed, it brings light to darkness. It brings love to indifference. It brings hope to despair. It brings freedom to bondage. It brings truth to confusion, and it brings power to weakness. When the church operates the way it's designed. Now, I believe that the church is the most powerful organization in the world. More good has been done in the name of Jesus than any other in history. More hospitals established, more orphanages orphanages created, more schools chartered, more soup kitchens and food pantries opened in that name than any other. But I do know that the church falls short. Too often we fall short of who we are designed to be, and too often we are not doing what we are called to do. When we don't follow Jesus well, friends, we reflect more of who we are instead of who He is. It's usually where we get into trouble. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to stay that way. I believe in the potential and in the ability of the church of Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. I'm not sure you heard me. I believe in the potential and in the ability of the church of Jesus Christ. When I say that, I'm not talking about the buildings or the organizations. I'm not talking about the creeds or the plans or the strategies. I'm talking about you and me. We, friends, are the church. All of us and all those who have chosen to follow Jesus, we are the church. It's not a building. It's not an address. It's not a denomination. It's the people. We are the church. Now, let me just pause there for a second. Because we are almost finished with a 22-week journey through the book of James. We've almost made it. We're on uh, number 20 this morning. We have two more after today. James also believed in the potential and the ability of the church to change the world. In its ability to change us and all those we can get to come with us. Right? It's not just about us. That's why we do things like Crave. Come on, somebody. It's not just about us. It's about all those two that we can come, that we can get to come with us. Now, James gave us a picture of how the church is supposed to work. And I want us to spend some time looking at that picture and considering how we, the church, want to move forward. How we, the church, want to respond. 
Now, if you've been here for much of this study of James, you will know that James speaks the plain truth to those who are willing to hear it. How many of you know we need friends that just tell us the truth? Man, you got spinach in your teeth. Man, your hair looks crazy. Hey, you need to go back and wash your face. There's something going on there you need to fix. We all need friends like this. James is that friend. He doesn't shy away from the hard truth that we need but might not want to hear. But in this section we're studying this morning, James switches it up a bit. The tone's a little softer. He's reaching out to those in need and instructing the church how to do the same. He gives us a blueprint of how the church is supposed to work. Now, the church has always been about what we can do. The church has always been about what we can do and who we can be as we follow Jesus together. Somebody said together. It's not about the person on the platform. It's not about the people behind the microphones. It's about who we are together and who we could become together. James shows us the benefits of being with one another. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the one another's. There's a lot of one another's in the Bible. I'm going to read some to you. Romans 14, 19. So then, let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Somebody say one another. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 32. And be kind and compassionate to one another. Anybody ever need some compassion? (laughs) Anybody recognize we don't have it all together, we just need somebody to be understanding with us sometimes, right? Just give me the benefit of the doubt. I may blow it, I may say something stupid, I may do something stupid, I just need somebody to put up with me once in a while. Come on, somebody. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. That's the tough one. Lastly, Hebrews 10, 24-25. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching, as we get closer to the end as we see that moment when Jesus will return. We need to encourage one another. Somebody say one another. The church is a unique community that offers supernatural transformation based around the principles of love and truth and power. I believe the church is the best place on earth to overcome challenges and struggles. I believe the church is the best place on earth to come if we need someone to encourage us when we're discouraged and depressed. If we need someone to care for us when we're hurting. I believe the church is the best place on earth if we need someone to warn us when we're making wrong or destructive choices. If we need someone to confide in who will walk with us and not judge us. If we need someone to believe with us and pray for us when we're waiting for God to answer. I believe the church is the best place on earth. The church is a community of busy, imperfect, often distracted, but caring people who are taking steps towards Jesus and want to help others do the same. Let me read that one more time. The church is a community of busy, imperfect, often distracted, but caring people 
who are taking steps towards Jesus and want to help others to do the same. Anybody agree with that definition this morning? Yeah. Christianity is a one another kind of a faith. It is the calling together of people from every nation, from every language, from every background, from every age group and stage of life, from every social and economic status to become one people whose primary goal is to know God and to enjoy Him forever. That the one primary characteristic of who I am and who I claim to be, what I stand on and what my identity is based on, is who God is and who He wants me to be. Calling a people out of every background, out of every nationality, out of every language, out of every age and stage of life, to come together to be one people, to put their differences aside and be one in spirit, to be one in purpose. That's the church, friends. Let me read what James says. We're in James 5, chapter 13 to 16. He says, If anyone among you suffering, he should pray. Is anyone in good spirits, he should sing praises. Is anyone among you ill? He should summon the elders of the church, and they should pray for him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So confess your sin to one another. And pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. Somebody say great. We see four groups listed in this section. We see, number one, those who are suffering. Two, we see those who are happy. Three, we see those who are sick. And four, we see those who are sinning. Suffering, happy, sick, and sinning. Now we're going to look at how the church offers a solution for each one of these groups. Number one, encouragement for the suffering. Encouragement for the suffering. I remember a pastor named Rick Godwin. Any any been around for a while? Any TBN watchers back in the day remember Rick Godwin? Rick Godwin was one of the guys that I first started listening to when I, when I got saved. I love Rick Godwin, man. He just put the cookies on the table. and He's like James. Man, he's just gargling with gunpowder sometimes. He shoots his mouth off. But there's enough love in there and enough truth in there to sort of set me right on some things. But Rick Godwin, he talked one time. I don't know why I still remember it. It's 20 years ago. He talked about longer than that. The powerless and the powerful place. And how our lives are often cycling through either places and feelings of powerlessness where it seems like everything's working against us. We don't know how we're going to get out. We're struggling to keep our head above water to the powerful place when everything seems like it's going good and right and happy. I believe this is what James is talking about. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone among you in good spirits? He should sing praises. At times we live in what feels like the powerless place. We're living in this first part of verse 13, suffering and struggling, praying and waiting. At other times, we're living out the second part. Things are just going great, and we're thanking God for it. The kind of things that happen when we come together with God's people to learn God's Word and God's presence, it gives us the strength to know how to get through the powerless places with the least amount of pain and the most amount of benefit. Now, we are not ever powerless 
Um, we have, based on our identity in Christ, we have access to the throne. We're, there's new stuff going on inside of us by um, virtue of our access to God. But I'm talking about how it feels, what it looks like. And coming together with God's people to learn God's word and God's presence, it gives us the strength and the know-how to get through those places when we feel powerless, to get through those places when it's a struggle to get out of bed, when it's a struggle to keep your head above the water. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? The, most, the least amount of pain, the most amount of benefit. Yes, friends, we can benefit from hardship if we respond to it rightly. How many of you know that's true? We can benefit from hardship. Anybody been through some hardship? Anybody been through some struggle? We can benefit from the struggle we've been through, from the hardship. Don't waste it. Learn from it. Don't be a victim of it. Use it to make you stronger. Use it. What did you learn? What can you learn now that you're on the other side? If we let our struggles bring us closer to God instead of further from Him, if we use times of struggle to exercise our faith instead of giving in to doubt and resentment and frustration. Back in James chapter 1, I think on the first or the second week, he, he wrote, Consider it great joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials... Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. How many of you would like to lack nothing? And your ability to be able to face your day, to be able to make your decisions, to be able to overcome your past, to be able to work through your present. We can lack nothing if we allow, if we respond to struggle rightly. Don't waste it, use it. The church offers opportunity for the encouragement, guidance, and experience we need to respond to struggle and hardship rightly. The church offers unique opportunity for the encouragement, guidance, and experience we need to respond to struggles and hardship rightly. The church also offers a place for us to sing praises for the goodness that we've received. Man, we just, we want to celebrate. We want to share it with somebody. We want to share it with somebody who understands and who appreciate it with us. And guess what? Sometimes the celebration that you have in your heart will spill over on others who are struggling with some stuff. They walk in the door on a Sunday morning and they're, man, I'm just, I almost didn't make it. I wasn't going to come. I'm just broke, busted, and disgusted. And the last place I want to be is around a bunch of happy people who just tell me how great their life is. But the next thing you know, people with genuinely loving them and genuinely say, hey, man, you know, God can help you. It's not, don't worry, you're going to make it through. It's going to be all right because those people that are in the happy place now have been through the sad place, have been through the hurting place. They've been through the painful places, so they know you can get to the other side. Their joy and our discouragement mixed together is some of the stuff that makes the church work. Don't stay away when you're discouraged. Don't stay away when you're depressed. The church offers opportunity for the encouragement, guidance, and experience we need to respond to struggles and hardship. When you get the praisers next to the strugglers, because we're all going to be in those places at different times in our lives. Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. I read it this morning. Teaching and exhorting one another with all wisdom, singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with all grace in your hearts to God. Spiritual songs. It's why I get here on the keyboard and I just try to give you some time just to sing to the Lord. That's what this is about, these spiritual songs. It's just songs you're singing to the Lord. 
It's, it's not words on a screen. It's stuff that's in your heart and you just want to express it to your father. Our words, our worship helps to encourage those around us, especially when we share how we made it through our own struggles, how we came out of the sad hurting place to the stronger and happy place. And remembering that we got there, the next time we're in the sad and hurting place, it gives us hope to say, I can get back there again. But we need each other. We need to see how it plays out in each other's lives because I can learn from you and you can learn from me. The weary can come and find strength. The joyous can come and praise, worship and encourage. And as a result, the church works and moves forward. Whether we're fighting our way through a storm or singing through the sunshine, God can use our circumstances to make us more like Him and help those around us to do the same. God gives us a blueprint on how the church is supposed to work. One of the ways it works is to offer encouragement to the suffering. Another way James tells us is to offer healing for the sick. Healing for the sick. Now, most people that believe in God don't doubt that God can heal. If you believe in a supernatural God who created the world, He can do anything He wants. What we aren't always sure about is whether or not we have a good reason to believe that He will heal. Now, James 5 says it this way, 14 to 15, If anybody among you sick... He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. Notice in this verse, we have to admit our sickness before we can get help for it. I don't believe that faith requires us to deny the difficulty, to deny the sickness, to deny the pain. In my mind, it'd be a little like the shepherd David looking up at Goliath and saying, hey, you, ain't no, you, ain't, you ain't so big, you ain't so bad, you ain't nothing, I can take you, right? David doesn't do any of that. He says, man, you're big, but my God's bigger. And today, prepare to die, because you're going down. Because you have offended the name of my God, you have offended God's people, and I'm standing here today for him and in his name, telling you, serving you notice, that your day's over. Right? He didn't say, man, you ain't nothing. I can take you. He said, you're big, but my God's bigger. We don't have to look. Faith doesn't say, oh, this isn't a problem. This isn't any big deal. Faith says, man, this, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do, but God, my eyes are on you. You're bigger than my problem. You're bigger than my mountain. Whatever it is, you're bigger than, and I'm going to keep looking at you until you get me to the other side. David didn't talk about how little the giant was. He just kept talking about how God was bigger and that God would be faithful to his promises. Promises like these. Psalm 103, 2 and 4. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget all his kind deeds. <laughs> he is the one who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who delivers your life from the pit, who crowns you with his Loyal, love, and compassion. Anybody glad for that? Matthew 8, 16 and 17. When evening came, many, talking about Jesus. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, 
a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bare, bore our diseases. The Bible gives us promises to believers when it comes to healing. Over and over again. I don't have time to list them all here. I'd be glad to give you some more if you'd like them. The Bible gives us promises to believe that God will heal. That God is the healer. In our section from James this morning, he says, The prayer of faith will save the sick. Yeah, you all have heard that. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard that. And this has become a point of some contention. Many sincere believers ask something like this. Since I prayed for healing, and healing didn't come, the Bible says the prayer of faith heals the sick, then does that mean that I didn't have enough faith? Well, possibly, yeah. But is that the only explanation? No. No, it's not. I was asked... How do I believe that God is still good? How do I believe that God still answers prayer? How do I believe that God will heal after my brother Terry died from COVID? We prayed and we believed up until the day that he died. Friends, it's our job to believe and to pray. It's God's job to answer. Our job to believe and to pray. God's job to answer according to his timing, his wisdom, his will. Now, I fully believe it's God's will to heal. Terry's healed today. He's more alive today than he's ever been in his life. That's not pastor talk. That's, that's reality. Just because God didn't heal him here on this side of heaven, does that mean that God didn't keep his word? Does that mean that I can't trust him? Does that mean that God doesn't keep his promises because he didn't heal him here? And he healed him there instead of here? God says he will. He doesn't define the when and the where. Did God do what he said he would do? <laughs> Heal his disease? Absolutely. <laughs> will he do that for everybody who believes? Absolutely. I encourage you to dare to hope that God will heal. It can be tough, I know. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're fighting and you're struggling. Just dare, just hope. Allow hope to remain alive in you. Choose to hope. Dare to hope that God will heal, that he wants to heal in this life and in the life to come. He doesn't just heal in heaven. I believe he heals here right now today. We're going to pray at the end of our service today. I got some oil. We're going to lay hands on anybody, um, anoint you with oil, and the elders of the church, we're going to pray for healing in the name of Jesus because that's what the Bible says. It's not because there's some televangelist on TV and, man, I'm going to be just like him. It's because that's what the Bible says. We're just going to do what the Bible says and expect God to do, ask him to do what he's promised to do. I'm going to encourage you to continue to hope that God will heal and then choose to believe it and wait in faith until you get an answer. Faith is a choice, friend. It's most basic form. Faith is a choice. You choose to believe that your cell phone's going to work. You choose to believe that your car's going to start. Most of the time it does, thank God. You, we believe in a lot. We choose to believe that when we flip the switch, the lights are going to turn on. We put a lot of faith in a lot of things. It's a most basic form of faith is a choice. 
choose to believe that God will do what He said and wait in faith until you get an answer. This is one of the unique benefits of the church. Supernatural intervention from a giant, supernatural, good, near God. But God's supernatural working doesn't just show itself through healing. He also demonstrates His power by the miracle of forgiveness for the guilty. Do you know that forgiveness is a miracle? It is a supernatural event that happens in your life. Did somebody hand you a piece of paper and said you were forgiven? But yeah, you know you're for, some of you know you're forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. Not because I'm uh, some great person, because I have this down so much. I know I'm forgiven. I, the Bible says that His Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you know you're a child of God. That where there used to be sadness, now there's joy. Where there used to be guilt and sorrow, now there's peace. I'm forgiven today, friend. It's not because of what I did. It's what Jesus did on the cross. I chose. I made a decision to trust Him. What He did on the cross is the only way to get rid of my guilt. The church will always be relevant. The Bible will always be relevant as long as people have guilt and need for love. Need for affirmation, a place to be accepted, someone to accept them, someone to right the wrongs that this world um, is filled with. The church will always be relevant. The Bible will always be relevant because people will always sin, will always have guilt, will always be broken, and will need a place to be healed, to be fixed, and to be forgiven. One of the number three, the, the last thing we're going to talk about this morning, the way the church works is he offers, is that it offers forgiveness. For the guilty. Forgiveness for the guilty. James 5, 15 and 16. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness. Now we're going to talk about that verse um, next week a little bit, the prayer of the righteous. But don't think right. When you hear that, the prayer of the righteous, well, that's not me because I don't do this and I don't do that and I still got some of this. This is the people who are made righteous by faith. Anybody made righteous by faith today? Are any of you who are made righteous by faith? You, are any of you perfect? You still got stuff working on you? Are, are you righteous in your own strength, your own ability? Of course not. These are people who are made righteous by faith. The prayer offered to God by a person who's made righteous by faith has great, somebody say great, effectiveness. We're going to talk more about that next week. When the church is working the way it's supposed to work, it is a safe place for us to come to face our wrong, destructive, and sinful choices that all of us can make. The church is a safe place when it's working correctly to be able to share our struggles and not receive judgment but help. Not receive criticism but instruction how to avoid those traps in the future. God forgives the guilty, friends. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Nobody else can forgive but Him. Confessing our faults to one another. It's not like going to a priest and um, confessing your faults to them so that that person can offer you forgiveness. It's about talking to somebody who understands. It's about talking to somebody who's not going to judge you so you can see the love of God in operation. It's about sharing your struggles with somebody, having a relationship with some another believer who says, man, I know what that's like. I understand how that feels. You can make it. You're going to get to the other side. Colossians 2.13 
through 14, you were dead because of your sins, separated from God, separated from peace, from hope, from faith, from life, from joy. You were dead because of your sin and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all your sins. Let me say all. He canceled the record of the charges against us. Somebody say canceled. And He took it away by nailing it to the cross. You've heard that illustration so many times. I'm going to share it again anyway, even though I don't really have time. You could buy a whole bunch of cases. We got two and a half cases. Of, no, we got a case and a half. Paper towels from Costco in that closet right there. You could unroll every one of them. And if you could remember, you could write down everything you've ever done that was a sin. Anytime you said no to God and yes to yourself, every time you were selfish, every time you were, um, took out your frustration on somebody else, every time you did somebody else wrong, every time you offended God in your thought, word, and deed by what you did or what you didn't do, you wrote them all down. A whole case of paper towels just written like a scroll, just writing and writing and writing. And then you bring them to Jesus and you bring them to the cross. And as you bring them to him, guess what? Your record goes blank. Nothing written on the pages anymore. It's like your record's been expunged. You get to start brand new all over again. Come on, somebody. Taking the, ha- the writings that were against us and taking them away by nailing it to the cross. God doesn't just want us to receive forgiveness. He wants us to extend it to others to give away what we've received. How many of you know it's a whole lot easier to receive forgiveness than it is to give it away? Come on, somebody. I'm going to remind us of one of the one another verses I read earlier. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. I'd like all of us to take a quick inventory. Are there people we need to forgive? You're holding on to something in your heart towards somebody. They offended you. They made you mad. There's somebody I had to work through with this. (laughs) We all do. Nobody's above it. Nobody's beyond it. Are there people you need to forgive? Hurt or offended us. They weren't there for us like we expected them to be. Friends, we don't give forgiveness because others deserve it. We give forgiveness to set ourselves free. To keep our hearts and our minds free from becoming hardened by bitterness and anger, resentment, or even hatred. A guy said one time, it, um, or hatred, I'm not going to share that now. Well, um, what if they're not a believer, you might say? Do I still have to forgive them? This, this, Tim, that's written, to for, that's written to one another. It's written to, about other believers we need to forgive them. Well, what if they're not a believer? Do I still need to forgive them? Mark eleven twenty five. And whenever, somebody say whenever, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, somebody say anything, against anyone, somebody say anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. Forgiving them, not because they deserve it, because it sets us free from resentment, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, will eventually grow into hatred will eventually spread like a disease. It will spread into all the other parts of our life. There's people you know. They're bound up with unforgiveness. Hearts are 
bound up with bitterness and they just can't move forward. Friends, we've got to forgive. We've got to let it go. You're not hurting them. They don't care. You're not hurting them. You're hurting you. You're offending God. If there's anyone here, at home, at work, in your family, that you've thought or spoke badly of, I encourage you, take your phone out, text them right now, ask them, will you forgive me? Because you know what you're going to do? You're going you're to leave this place and you're going to forget. There's someone like that. I ain't, take your phone. You're not going to bother them. Take your phone out right now. Just text them. Please forgive me. Maybe there's somebody in this room. You need to go to them and ask them to forgive you. Whoever it was that hurt you, whoever it was that wronged you, let it go. <laughs> you know, we, we, keep a, we keep a card. Like every time somebody said, we, we, we make our case for why we should be so offended because they did this and they did that and they did this and they did that. And we keep this in our back pocket so when they ever come up against us, boy, we're going to let them have it. Or it at least gives us reasons why we should be so mad, why we should be so angry, why we have the right to be. Friends, take the card out and rip it up and throw it. Set yourself free. That's a get-out-of-free-jail card, get-out-of-jail-free card. You just got to rip it up to use it. Get rid of it. Let it go. Whoever it was that hurt you, whoever it was who wronged you, Choose to rip up the list of all the ways they have offended you and hurt you. So the next time that person in their face comes into your mind, what's going to happen? That stuff's going to start coming up again. Say, no, I forgave them. Not going there anymore. I'm not going to get my mind and my heart wrapped around bitterness, wrapped around unforgiveness, wrapped around anger, which will grow into hatred. Hatred sets up like cement. Bitterness sets up like cement. And the further you go into it, the more room you allow it, the harder it is to break up. Some people in this room have tried to break up cement. Try to break cement up in the ground or even above the ground. I can tell you, once it gets set in there, it is really hard to get out. And it's the same thing. The longer we let it lay there, the more room we give it, the harder it gets and the more difficult it is to get it out. Friend, get it out now. Get it out today. Let it go. Let it go. Some of us have been hurt by the church or by authorities in the church. Maybe I have hurt or offended you. Let me stand in their place today and ask you to forgive us. The church is made up of imperfect people that are just trying to do their best. Somebody texted me last night how they're going to leave a church because they were out of church for a long time and nobody checked up on them. I'm like, bro, <laughs> pastoring a church is a lot more involved, a lot harder than you understand. Don't believe the best about them. Don't think the worst. Don't suspect the worst. Believe the best. They're busy. They got stuff going on. There's a lot of things happening in their life that yours is not the only emergency that may be happening at any given time. There's a lot of stuff going on. And they're trying to do the best they can. But it's just like, no, I'm just going to leave. I'm like, okay. But you know what? He's going to go to the next church. He's going to find something else that offends him. He's going to leave there. And he's never going to come. He's, he's just going to be a consumer that just goes from place to place to place. What's in it for me? Instead of a participant that says, hey, there's a problem there. How can I help? 
How can I fix it? It's easy to point fingers. We all can do it with ease. I can give you a list, right? It's easy to point fingers. It's a little, but what we need to do instead of pointing fingers is rolling up our sleeves and say, how can we help? What can I do? What can we do? In our neighborhood, in our families, in our church, in our city. You see a problem, how can I help? It's easy to point fingers, easy to criticize. How can I help? For those of you that have been hurt in the church, let me stand in the place today and ask you to forgive us. Forgive the church and its leaders for the ways that we have not represented Christ well. For the ways maybe that we have hurt or neglected or rejected, please forgive us. Before we go, I just want to take a few minutes to do a few things. As I said, I have some oil. I want to pray for anyone today who is suffering or sick. You can't get up, I'll come to you. If you need to tell or confide in someone today about the battle you're fighting, I asked um, Joe, I don't know if you got my text or not, but I'm going to ask Joe to come um, up front here. And if you just need somebody uh, to talk to, somebody to confide in, say, man, I need somebody to um, believe with me, to help me, to know that it's going to be all right. I'm going to have Joe come up and pray. Maybe you're here today and you say, I really need to give my life to Jesus and to ask Him to forgive me and to save me. I want to experience His love, His truth, and empower in ways that transform me into who He wants me to be. I'm talking about three things today. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need to confess your sin this morning. Maybe you need to just pull somebody into your circle and say, man, I need some help. I need somebody to believe with me. I need somebody to fight with me. Maybe you're here to say, you know what, I just, I just need to start. Just close our eyes for a minute. I just want you to think. What is God saying to you about what you've heard today? there's somebody you need to forgive I'd write their name if there's somebody in this room you need to forgive I encourage you get up and go go talk to them please forgive me I judged you said terrible things about you I thought terrible things about you please forgive me Here's somebody in your family. Take your phone out right now. Text them. I need to talk to you after church today. Don't let it go on anymore. Don't let it stay one day longer. Not only is it hurting you, it's hurting your family, it's hurting this church, it's hurting our city, it's hurting the kingdom because we are not. God can't use us in the ways he wants to use us to spread love and joy and strength and power. somebody that you need to forgive this morning. Let it go. Maybe you say this morning, no one else is looking around, just raise your hand. I need to forgive somebody this morning. Lift your hand up. Anybody else? Yeah, lift your hand up. Anybody else? Forgive some folks this morning. 
God, I repent of withholding the forgiveness that you give me to others. I choose to forgive today. Choose to forgive today. I don't want to hold on to bitterness. I don't want to hold on to anger. I don't want to hold on to hatred. It's like concrete in my heart. It's like concrete in my life. It's like a speed bump. It just keeps knocking me back every time I try to move forward. I just circle around the same old mountain because I can't get away from it. I'm chained to it. God, break the chains today. I forgive. I have received forgiveness even that I didn't deserve, that I never could deserve. God, it's hypocritical of me to receive forgiveness, to ask for grace and then not give it away. I don't know what their motives were. Maybe they're more broken than I am. Maybe they just don't, I don't even know. I'm not even going to try to understand. But I'm going to choose to forgive in the name of Jesus because I want to be set free. It's not for their benefit, it's for mine. God, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Forgive me for any place I've given to bitterness, hatred, anger. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. I break its power over me this morning. And in the name of Jesus, I step forward in freedom, free from unforgiveness, free from bitterness, free from anger, free from resentment, free from hatred. In the name of Jesus, I walk forward free. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive in the name of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you need forgiveness. There's stuff going on in your life. You know it's wrong and you just give them place to it. The church offers and explains and instructs on how to get forgiveness. Maybe you need to confess to somebody. There's a freedom. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's a freedom. <laughs> Being able to say, man, this is who I am. This is what I struggle with. And I know God still loves me and I know He can forgive me. Would you pray with me and agree with me that I can get to the other side? You're not ready for that. Just, just repent. Just turn to God today. God, forgive me. I renounce any place I've given to it. Lust, perversion. Maybe you're looking at uh, pornography on the internet. Statistics say 50% of men look at pornography on the internet. God, forgive me today. It's a sin before God. Forgive me today to not look at those things that will bring perversion to my mind or my heart. God, forgive me today for doing those things that would offend you, things that I know are wrong that I do anyway. God, forgive me and help me to never do it again. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I've never really, never really invited Jesus in. I've never really experienced that forgiveness from the inside out. I've never really accepted His grace. I've never really chosen to trust in what He did on the cross and brought my sins to Him so that He could take them away. Maybe that's you today. You were watching online, maybe even here in the room. Say, Tim, I need to give my life to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, or the first time in a long time. That's you. No one's looking around. I just want just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you today. For those of you who 
maybe watching online, I just want to tell you, just cry out to Jesus and just say yes. Just tell him this morning, you don't have to perform, you don't have to do anything just right. Jesus just wants you. He just wants you. Just let him come in. Let him have of all of you, and he will bring his love, his truth, and his power to you. Father, we thank you for it today. If you're here today and you want prayer for healing, um, I'm just going to ask you just to lift your hand and uh, we're going to come around and pray for you. I got stuff going on in my body. Lloyd, Glenda, anybody else?